that the youth group will be selling Easter flowers starting next Sunday. You can fill out a form for that. Tulips, daffodils, hyacinths, I guess that's the way you pronounce that. Order forms will be available next Sunday, uh, so you want to do that now. Today, we'll be opening the doors of the church at the end of the service, but also, and this is the last thing I'm going to mention, amen, praise God, <laughs> the last thing I'm going to mention, today is our building fund offering, so it's first, is it the first, yeah, it's the first Sunday of the month, right, what's today, today's the fifth, fifth, yeah, okay, so I, yeah, I'll, I'll lose track of time sometimes, Brother Basil knows all about that, we lose track of time, it is Sunday though, and I'm glad I'm here, so, uh, so today is the first Sunday of the month, so a little bit later on after this offering, there will be a building fund offering taken later in the service. And we want to give as the Lord directs. Uh, we have an awful lot uh, that, uh, we had, that the Lord's been doing in and among our people, uh, and especially with our youth group and discovery club. Uh, growing by leaps and bounds, and we praise the Lord for that. Uh, but we need to get a few things done here through the building fund, and then when we get those few things done, we need to start uh, thinking very, very seriously about expanding, and we can't do that without your help. So we want you to give, and I'll ask the ushers to come forward for our regular Sunday morning tithes and offerings, and then a little bit later we'll give you an opportunity to give specifically to the building fund to help us with some of these things. And we encourage you to give as the Lord directs and I know he'll bless you for it. Amen. So Delmer's supposed to come home today from the hospital. That's the plan. Jason, you're going to take good care of him? Yeah. Okay, don't, 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 don't tip him out more than two or three times. <laughs> don't want him bruised up too bad when we get him home. Lead us in our prayer today. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this place, and we just thank you for the beautiful day that you've given to us, Lord, to come in your house. Lord, we pray that as we come together, we truly would uh, seek to have you high and lifted up, that we would worship you, Lord, and we pray for this offering, Lord, that it would be used for the furtherance of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Page 120. Page 120. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, lost in His blood. This is my story. This is my song.
so excited all week because uh, there's just later on a, a bunch of people that are going to join the church. Lots of young people that want to be baptized following the Lord and believers baptism. Some older folks following the Lord and believers baptism. Some folks that have been a long way away and are kind of finding their way back. God putting families back together and Doing just great things. I've been so excited. Been praying about it all week. And I want Daryl to sing this song because more than anything that's going on in our lives uh, and, and that can help us 
in our homes, in our marriages, in, in, in our own ability to be able to cope with everyday life is Jesus Christ. And I know you're like, Mike, that's what everybody says. What do you mean? I mean all of the things that he provides. I'm talking about number one, salvation. That he comes and provides salvation. That we're free from the guilt of being sinners, of, uh, of what we've done. We, those that have come under the weight, really, of that guilt and of that sin and find freedom at the cross are never the same. Number one, it starts right there. But then when I start to live for him, I feel that he starts to relieve anxiety in my life. And he starts to help with some of the things. And those that come from places that have no background of good life or good family or good, Jesus Christ can bring family to them. Because he brings you a church, doesn't he? He's a father to the fatherless, is he not? For those that feel like they lost everything, it's there in Jesus Christ. He's closer than a brother. He's the dearest friend I ever had. All of these things that we talk about and sing, they're there. And this morning, I just want to sing this song and worship him. And also for the families that are coming to join, if we want to do anything in your life, it's just keep speaking Jesus into your life and into your families.
There is no judgment, oh, how he loves me, I've got a friend, and he is my strength, he is my portion, he's with me in the valley, he's with me in the fire, he's with me in the storm. Let all my life testify, hallelujah, we are not. God really 
His mercy's enough. His grace is sufficient. So come if you're needing forgiveness or healing. His mercy's enough. Oh, and this is our hope. The crossing has spoken. Death is no more. And Christ is the Lord. Oh, this is our hope. Hallelujah. We are not Just stand. We know this song. <laughs> I stand amazed in his presence. The verse that kept on coming up this morning as I was scrolling through stuff was wherever two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst. And I know that there's people here, I know there's at least two or three, <laughs> apparently has been shown today that have come seeking the Lord, looking for answers in life, direction of what God can do, 
We are in his presence today. Man, we should not take that for granted. Waste that time, that opportunity just to come before him and to worship him and to praise him and to thank him for what he has done, what he is doing, what he can do in our lives. Let's sing this song together. playing choir come on down all right if you don't want to shake their hands just nod at them as they go by stand up right and you greet them make space for them when they come down all right we'll just have a little bit of fellowship as the choir comes down
We're going to get our ushers to come forward. We're going to take up our building fund offering. So this morning, this offering will go specifically to needs of the building fund. And uh, we're praying about that. I'm thankful for the deacons and uh, specifically Kurt. He's working really hard to get us some different options that we can start talking about. And we're working on getting a meeting together, right, Kurt, where we can kind of have a, an open meeting where we want to come in and get input from those that are in the church about the things that we're going to need uh, in that kind of a building. So look for that time and date. Uh, but you'll also notice there ain't a whole lot of room in here either. All right. So uh, we got lots of problems, but they're good problems. Amen. And so we praise the Lord for that. Uh, this, like I said, this offering this morning at this time will specifically go for our building fund. Uh, we've got things that need to be done. Uh, so I want you to know that and remember that. Kurt, go ahead and ask the blessing on this offering. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for opportunity today. Lord, we thank you for the presence that we felt so far this morning. God, I pray you would just continue to meet with us here this morning, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would, uh, as a church, Father, we would, would just um, look to expand your kingdom, Father, Lord, through the actions of the church, Lord, and through what we do, Father. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would um, we'd be able to, to raise the funds, Lord, we need to, to uh, allow the church to continue to grow, Lord, and as you see fit, Father. We just thank you for today. Lord, bless the gift and giver alike. In your name we pray. Amen. It is 390. 390. Everybody stand. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey, trust and obey. Trust and obey. Last verse. Then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at his feet, or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he sends we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Amen. You may be seated. It's great to be at Nottingham on a Sunday morning. I'll tell you, I just can't think of anything better. Look forward to being with uh, everybody every single Sunday. If you have your Bible, I'd like for you to turn with me again to the book of Isaiah. Uh, we're going to be in Isaiah again today, and we're going to be in chapter number 32, which is where we were last Sunday night. We're going to go back there, and we're going to uh, we're going to look at a little bit look at this passage just a little bit differently than we did last time. Uh, we're going to center our attention really on verse number two. We're going to read verses one to four, 
Uh, and then we'll ask the Lord to bless us uh, as we open his word. Uh, and then we, like I say, we'll kind of center our attention uh, on verse number two today, uh, which is not what we did last week, but nonetheless, uh, we'll, uh, we'll move on. So if you found that place in the scripture, you'd stand with us, please, in honor of the reading of the word of God. And the Bible says, Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness, and princes shall rule in judgment. And a man shall be as a hiding place from the wind, and a covert from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. And the eyes of them that see shall not be dim, and the ears of them that hear shall hearken. The heart also of the rash shall understand knowledge, and the tongue of the stammerers shall be ready to speak plainly. Dear Lord, we pray you'd help us in the understanding of the word of God this morning. Pray that you might touch us with your grace, and Lord, that you might impart to us the strength and the wisdom that comes from the word of God today. Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor for what you do in us and through us. Lord, you know me, you know it by my very best. I'm a weak and feeble servant. And Lord, without you, I certainly have nothing to offer the kingdom of God, nor this waiting congregation. And so, Lord, I pray that you might, uh, Lord, that you might cleanse me, make me a vessel fit for the master's use, and then use me today according to your will to bring the word of God. We'll be careful to praise you for all that's done. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, last Sunday night, we pretty much looked at all the verses except verse number two. Uh, we, we took note uh, of several things uh, concerning that, and we primarily, if you remember the title of the message, uh, was the prophecy of the gospel. And we talked about how that he is giving us, in verses one and three and four, he is giving us very specifically an understanding of how the gospel was going to affect the world uh, as it came, and, uh, and you and I today uh, are enjoying the benefits of living in the age of grace. You might not, you might not take that into account, it may ne never even have dawned on you, but you are living in a marvelous time, a glorious time, you are living in the age of grace, and the age of grace uh, means several things, and we talked about them last Sunday night, and I won't go into detail on them, uh, but one thing it does mean is that what we have seen take place this morning is possible because we are living in the age of grace. So people who uh, sense their need, uh, their need of Christ, whether it's their need of Christ in salvation, whether it's need of Christ in strengthening, whether it's need of Christ in direction, whatever it might be, when they sense their need of Christ and they open themselves to it the Bible says that their eyes will not be dim they will be able to see they will understand they will have an understanding of the word of God and time and time again if you look back you see that especially in the Old Testament and even sometimes in the New Testament we see that Jesus was speaking the truth or the prophets were speaking the truth or the priest were speaking the truth but the people could not understand it and if you'll open your heart and your mind today to the Lord Jesus Christ you can have that understanding amen you don't have to walk around in the dark 
You don't have to live without the grace of Christ. You don't have to live without salvation. You can be born into the family of God. Amen? And then you'll see things you've never seen before. So that's what we were talking about concerning the prophecy of the gospel, how the gospel is going to affect the world. Now we want to center our attention on verse number 2 and and, and take special note of that. Verse number 2 is a powerful verse for sure. And uh, and I want us to notice it. it. He says, and a man shall be as an hiding place from the wind and a covert from the tempest as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Now, if we're going to understand what's going on here, it's really important for us to begin with knowing who he's talking about. He says in this passage of scripture, and a man. And a man, and and in in this understanding of the way that uh, the way that Isaiah is writing this, and I don't I don't want to get into uh, I don't know much Hebrew. I I I know very little Greek, but I certainly don't know much Hebrew, and so I have to rely on what other scholars uh, you know relate to us. But the one thing I am aware of is that when he uses this phrase. Uh, at the beginning of verse 2, and a man, he's not just talking about any man. He's not just talking, and he's not just talking about some man. He's talking about a specific individual here. There's someone very specific that he's talking about. This man here is not me, it's not you, it's not Isaiah, it's not not Moses, It's it's not any of these men, it's someone specific, and it's not any of these men that you might have thought about. Now I'm sure you know who this man is already, just from the context of what we're reading, but in order for us to understand it from Isaiah's point of view, let's turn back to Isaiah chapter number 7. And as we turn back to Isaiah chapter number seven we're going to look at a few verses and this will give us clarity on exactly who this man is now you got to think of something else here we're going to talk about it in two ways this morning uh, before we're done but the first thing I want you to think about is that there is absolutely no doubt whatsoever that when we get to the 32nd chapter and we get to these first four verses, uh, Isaiah now is seeing things that God is revealing to him and he is looking, as it were, over the years, uh, even the centuries of time. Isaiah is seeing something in the great far distance from where he's standing. Not in the distance as it were uh, from here to from this place to that place. But in the distance from this time to the time he's seeing it. And could I say to you as I was meditating on this, I thought surely this is something familiar to Isaiah. It would be unfamiliar to us. I never have seen the future. Have you? Not one time have I ever seen the future. Now, there have been some times that I said, well, I could see that coming. You ever said that before? Oh, boy. You know, I could see that. I, could see, I knew that was going to happen. Why didn't somebody tell that poor fella? Why didn't somebody tell? Sometimes when Helen and I are watching those old mystery movies, you know, and the, and, and the music gets real eerie, and, and you know they do the dumbest things. They go down in the basement. 
You know the monster's down there. You, you, the killer is hiding down there. You know it. And here they go with their little candle down in the basement. And you're saying, hey, buddy, you're going to get it. Can't you see what's coming? And then sure enough, and he gets it. And you think, man, why didn't somebody tell this guy? Have you ever been there and felt that way? Well, let me tell you something. Isaiah is seeing this. And not only is he seeing it, he's telling us. And, and in chapter number 7, in verse number 10, it says, Moreover, the Lord spake again unto Ahaz, saying, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. Now, you got to remember that uh, he, the Lord is speaking to Ahaz, but he's speaking to Ahaz through Isaiah. So Isaiah, uh, so Ahaz is making light of this. Uh, he's making a joke out of it. And he said, oh, I'm not going to ask the Lord anything. Uh, not me. You know, I, I'm not going to tempt the Lord. You know, he's being very, uh, very self-righteous. You need to always be careful about folks that have a very high opinion of themselves. They, they probably have the highest opinion of themselves, higher than anybody else has of them. And Ahaz has a very high opinion of himself, and he speaks down. He, he is condescending in this phrase that he gives uh, to Isaiah. And he's saying to Isaiah, I'm not going to ask, of, I'm not going to tempt the Lord. I'm not going to ask him uh, for a sign. And so Isaiah says, uh, he says in verse 13, and he said, Hear ye now, house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary God also? There's two things, and I, I know I've already preached on this, and I hate to come back to it, but there's two things in this that we didn't mention the last time that I want you to get. So when Isaiah uh, responds to him, notice exactly uh, how he words it. This is so very interesting to me. Uh, and he said, this is Isaiah speaking, Hear ye now, house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will Will you weary God also? Isaiah is saying two things. Number one, he's saying, Ahaz, I am the voice of God to you. I am the voice of God to you. What a bold way for him to portray himself. He's saying, I'm, and if you, if, you, if you look at it carefully, you can see it so very clearly. Because notice what he says, Will you weary my God also? He's saying to him, I'm speaking to you the words of God. Now, let me tell you something. I don't get a word from God that, that you know, that's written on my wall uh, like the prophet did. And, uh, you know, I don't get that. Daniel was able to read the writing on the wall. He doesn't come to me and speak to me in a vision. But let me tell you something. When you're preaching the word of God, you are preaching the word of God. Do you get it? And somebody says, well, I don't know if I believe that or not. And you can say to them, just like Isaiah, I am speaking to you the word of God. That's what Isaiah is doing to Ahaz on this particular day. But then the second thing he's doing is he is taking the way that Ahaz is making light of it, and now he's going to show, he's going to dramatize it. He's going to make it real to him. He said, so you're going to weary God also? So guess what? I am going to tell you something else that God is saying. 
I'm, you don't want the sign, I'm going to give it to you anyway. You don't want the word of God, I'm going to speak it to you anyway. You don't want to hear what God has to say, but it doesn't make any difference. I'm going to speak the word of God to you, Ahaz, whether you want to hear it or not. And when I speak the word of God to you, then you are responsible for it. Amen? When someone speaks the word of God to another, and they become responsible for the Word of God. I heard part of your Sunday school lesson this morning. It was great. I always love uh, hearing uh, Brother Harry teach. And he was talking about uh, he was talking about the time that he picked up that 32-page uh, track. You got six pages into it. Uh, yeah, and he said uh, as he was reading into that track, he realized that he was a sinner. He was on his way out of hell, and without Jesus, he couldn't get saved. And I was thinking as he was talking about that, I was thinking about the Word of God was speaking to Harry. The Word of God was speaking to Harry. And Harry paid attention. Amen. Aren't you glad Harry paid attention? I am. Not, hey, listen, not only am I glad that Harry paid attention for Harry's sake and for Jen's sake and for Derek's sake, but think of all the hundreds that he's witnessed to. Think of the thousands and thousands of tracks that he's placed in somebody's hands. But do you know that every time Harry speaks to somebody about Jesus, they immediately become responsible for what they do with the Word of God. You immediately, the, the Word of God, listen, the Word of God is never, ever empty. He said, my word will not return void. You give it to them, then it's up to them to do something with it. This is exactly what Isaiah is doing. Now, I don't know how I got off on this, but it sure has been fun. But let me just say this. And then he speaks to him, and he says, I'm going to give you a sign. I'm going I'm to show you something from the Lord. And he said to him this. He said, uh, hear ye now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will ye weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall shall call his name Emmanuel. I'm telling you, this is one of the most beautiful verses in the word of God. He said, yeah, there's a virgin. She's going to have a child and this child is going to be the child born of the Holy Ghost of God. You say, how do you know for sure that Isaiah is talking about the Messiah? Because he calls him that. He says his name is Emmanuel. God with us can't be anybody else. This cannot be anybody else but the son of the living God, my Jesus, my Savior, the lover of my soul, the one who rescued me from the pits of hell, the ones who gave me, the one who gave me grace, the one who gave me hope, the one who gave me joy. This is my Jesus he's talking about. Whew, I can see him there. Can you see him there? Isaiah sees him there, looking long down through the centuries in the corridors of time. He sees the Messiah. It's the only way he's going to see him, folks. You say, oh, well, there's Christophanes in the Old Testament, but this isn't one of them. He doesn't appear to him physically here. He doesn't appear to him physically here. There's no angel of the Lord. There's no, there's no person who just appears out of nowhere. No, no, no. Isaiah is looking down the corridors of time. And you know what he sees? He describes it. He describes this person that he sees in chapter 32. 
And in chapter 32, he describes him and he says, and a man, what man is this? This is that man from over in chapter number seven. It's the same guy. It's the same one. And he says, this man, this man that I see, can you just imagine? Maybe Isaiah sat down somewhere on a rock. And he, he looked out over what seemed to be such a desert place. And he sees that man. He sees that Messiah. He sees that mighty man of the desert. He sees him and he's out there. And what is he doing? He's protecting his people from the storm. That's what the Bible says. He's protecting them from the wind and the tempest. He's protecting them with all, you know, if you, I, I'd love for everybody here to go to Israel with me sometime. I really would. Uh, and I want to go back one day if the Lord ever allows it. I do. Uh, but but, but the, the land out there, when we talk about an arid land, listen, I've been to Arizona. I've driven through the deserts. It's nothing like the Middle East. I mean, we went to some places where I couldn't even believe it was a place. I mean, it looked like the moonscape. There was nothing out there. There was not a living plant or, or animal or anything other than just us in the little tour bus on the side of a road. And, and you look out over it and it's just nothingness, just emptiness. I believe that's kind of what Isaiah was looking out over and he saw this great tempest, this tremendous wind, this powerful storm that is so like that area to have such storms as that. And here they come. I think probably the closest thing we would have ever experienced of that in the United States would have been back in the 30s. You ever read about the dust bowls of the 30s? You ever, you ever read about how they, they had their little little houses out there on the prairie and, uh, and, and they, they put all the uh, sheets on the inside, took all, instead of, instead of having the sheets on the bed, they had them over the windows and the doors and yet the wind would come in so, so strong and the wind was so powerful that after the, after the windstorm was over, they said there would be two inches of dust on the table after having prepared that house so carefully this huge storm. They said that it would be so black. You could see it so black in the distance coming this way. And you knew that when it got to you, you would not even be able to see your hand in front of your face if you were outside when that storm came. So many people died in those storms. So many people died of what they called dust pneumonia. They got dust wet down, way down deep in their lungs and they just could not get it out and they eventually died with it. And this is the kind of storm that Isaiah is seeing. Who's going to protect us from such a storm as this? Who's going to be the one who's going to stand and protect me from this wind? Who's the one that's going to stop this great tempest from overwhelming me? Why, he's the Messiah of chapter number 7. He's the Emmanuel. He's the man of the desert. In chapter number 32, he's my Jesus. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. No one else. Now, I'm going to finish with this. 
Got a couple other things in the notes, but they're not really needed right now. I want to finish with this. You get the intensity of the storm that we're talking about. You get the fact that it's in the desert because he says he's water, the rivers of water in a weary land. You get the idea of a great rock that he talks about to shelter under. Then he talks about the tempest and the wind. You get the idea of this tremendous, huge storm in the desert. But I say to you that I believe with all of my soul he's not just talking about any storm. He's not just talking about any part of anyone's lifetime. I believe he's talking about the judgment and the wrath of God that's going to fall upon those who know not the Savior. Listen, God is a loving God and he loves you today. But he is also a holy God. And one day he's going to render his righteous judgment for all those who are outside of Jesus Christ. There's only one way to avoid the wrath of God. There's only one way to avoid this coming storm. There's only one way to be protected, and that's to be found in the care under the rock that is a mighty rock in a weary land. Jesus is your only hope. You'll never survive the storm of judgment that God will rain upon this earth if you do not have Jesus Christ as your Savior. I've said it a lot of times here lately. I say it because I mean it. I don't really care which way I go. I know a lot of people, they, they want to be sure that they're going to be here for the rapture. Well, that, that'll be wonderful if we make it. If God comes before, before my time of death, and I'm, I'd be thrilled to go in the rapture. But you know what? It really don't make any difference anymore. Not to me, anyway. I, you know why? Because I'm going with Jesus any way I go. I'm, not, I'm going with the Lord. I, I, I sensed it. I felt it. I, I have a reality in my soul that when it comes my time to leave this world, whether it is in the air or whether it is by way of the grave, I know one thing. I'm going with Jesus. I'm going with him. He's, he's been protecting me, and he will protect me. And when the storm of judgment comes upon this world, when it comes upon this planet, when it comes upon all humanity, and we stand that day and watch the great, uh, as it were, white throne judgment, my friend, I will not be afraid. Though the mountains crumble and fall into the sea, I will not fear, for my Savior will stand by me. I have a Christ. I have a Messiah. Isaiah told me all about him before he was ever born in Bethlehem, before he ever walked the muddy shores of Galilee. They talk about the sandy shores of Galilee. Forget it. There ain't no sandy shores at Galilee. It's a big old lake and it's muddy on the side, okay? If it's not muddy, it's very rocky, but there is no sandy shore of Galilee. But there's a muddy shore and he, he walked those muddy shores. My Lord had muddy feet because he walked the shores of Galilee. But his feet might have been muddy, but he never had any sin. He never had any wrongdoing. He never did one thing except offer me a great and glorious salvation. And you know what? He's offering it to you too. 
one day, one day he's going to take us all home. And it don't matter to me how we go. We go by the air. We go by the grave. If you know Jesus, you're going with him. And if you don't know Jesus, you need to get to know him today. Because the judgment is sure. It's coming. There is absolutely no doubt about it. And my holy God can forgive my sins because I trusted in the blood of Jesus who died for me on Calvary. He's the only way. He's Emmanuel's Messiah. He is the Messiah that Isaiah gave us. Chapter 7, chapter 32, chapter 53. He's given him to us over and over and over again. Long before Jesus ever walked here on earth, Isaiah looked down the corridors of time. He saw the Messiah who is mighty saved. Dear Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to bring the message this Lord, I know that uh, this is a great day. There's much that's already happened to encourage our hearts and much that is still yet to happen that's going to encourage our hearts. We thank you for it. But in the midst of this day, Lord, there's someone here, no doubt, probably several someones in a crowd this size. There are folks here today who do not know for sure where they're going to spend eternity. Lord, if it was required of them, as the Bible says, if their soul was required this night, Lord, they would have no hope of eternity. They would, no, they would have no joy of salvation, only fear and dread. Only hell and destruction would await them. But Lord, if they would just trust you today, step out into that aisle and walk down, say to someone, can you tell me how I might be saved? Can you tell me how I might trust this Jesus that the pastor was talking about? Can you tell me how I might have his defense against this storm? that's coming upon this world in which we live. Oh, dear God of heaven, send your sweet Holy Spirit. Move upon the hearts today and woo them and draw them. Pull them to yourself, to thy precious bleeding side. May they come and be part of this glorious family of God. We pray it in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Let's stand together. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. That he would give his only son. To make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss The Father turns His face away As wounds which mar the chosen one Bring many sons to glory Behold.
my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was a His dying breath has brought me.